0: last episode, we talked about the narrative trajectory of the Litany of Peace or the Great Litany. We talked about the idea of the Litany of Peace being this place where we can contextualize our role in the kingdom. We talked about how it is an extension of the stage setting of Psalm 103, giving us a framework in which we can understand our lives and the rest of Vespers as well. And now we're moving on to The liturgical participation aspect of the Great Litany. So in this episode, um, I'm hoping we'll talk about how uh, what the clergy are doing on a technical level, whether you know chanting or singing or uh, where they stand and why they stand there. But um, I'm also hoping to go over what uh, the people can do um, in terms of singing or standing. Um, Yeah. So I guess the first question. I, I think it'd be fun to start with the clergy this time. Um, so at a usual Vesper service that you would go to, you would have either just a presbyter or a presbyter and a deacon. And it's usually the deacon who would, if there is a deacon present, who would intone the litany
1: of peace. That's right. Like all of the, you know, most of the litanies, let's say, uh, a, a deacon is present. Um, he will, you know, lead this series of petitionary prayers. Um You know, we've talked before about the different kinds of levels, as it were, or or versions of Vespers that we have. So, you know, typically in a very uh, low key daily Vesper service with not a lot of commemoration, uh, you wouldn't have a deacon, it would just be, you know, the presbyter. Um, But you know, at the great Vesper service that certainly most people are familiar with because they would go on a Saturday evening before the Sunday as we start that resurrection cycle of, of services. Um, If you have a deacon in your parish, all the better. I know that this is very much um the point where... Um, you know that harmony between uh, the presider and the, the the deacon, who who moves around a little bit more, you know, within the assembly, um, you know, is kind of in evidence. But the the presbyter would stay within the altar. And, uh, the deacon, you know, is out, um, to, to lead the, the prayer. So recalling, too, what we had during the, the opening psalm, the, the, the presider would have come out in front of the, the holy doors, uh, way through the psalm or for the whole psalm, depending on, you know, who's doing, um, what end the we've done the, the they're called the prayers of light, and so the deacon comes out at the end of the psalm as the alleluias are being said um and the two uh with the presbyter and the deacon will make three bows towards the icons and then bow once to each other and the presbyter will return to the altar the deacon remains outside the doors of the iconostasis uh, would, would typically be shut at this point um, uh, and the the deacon would lead the, the great litany uh,
0: I think it'd be worth talking a little bit about the role of the presbyter and the deacon here in that the responsibility for presiding over the service is obviously with the presbyter who has been delegated that responsibility by his bishop and that anything that the deacon does you'll often see the deacon actually bow to the presbyter for a blessing to continue to do the next part of the service um and, and i think that that might be uh, an important thing to just say if if people haven't seen that before or anything like that that the um, the deacon, I think Father, I, I talk about Father Hopko a lot, but he described the de- the deacon much like a, a, a butler in a fancy house, yeah, who sort of uh, helps move the big event along, right?
1: Yeah, and is a bridge almost between what's going on um, in the altar, you know, in in the you know behind the iconostasis and what the assembly are doing uh, the deacon is instrumental in you know the, in that link up and often sends strong signals to the assembled faithful for, as to what they're going to be doing and notice that um even the the language of what the deacon is saying here is it's an exhortation to the faithful right these are not actually prayers that the deacon is saying The deacon is asking the faithful to do something, right? So in peace, let us pray to the Lord is not directed towards God. The people who are praying are the faithful who say, directing towards God, Lord, have mercy. The deacon Mm. is not praying. The deacon is giving directions. He's giving instructions. He's exhorting the assembled faithful. uh, into a way of being, into a a stance before God, into you know, all the themes that they should be calling to mind and and so forth, uh, reminding them, as we've said, you know, so deeply before of all of the scriptural stories that they're part of and how they should be aligning their lives with those stories and so forth. So, so the deacon really, I mean, a butler, yes, but also like a director, you know, in a, you know, or a master of ceremonies, you could almost say, you know, the one who's kind of, letting people know you know what they're to be doing you know at at different times um and you mentioned that kind of the the relationship between the deacon and the presbyter you know uh, that even bowing and and the 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 reverence that's shown and so forth the best way of thinking about that is not you know subservience and you know kind of military style order or chain of command or so forth. But really as an expression of that harmony, of that order, of that beautiful communion and shalom that, you know, that that are the words the deacon is speaking about, right? And that ultimately at a very climactic moment in the service is going to be conveyed to to everyone. Because after the entrance, at this climactic moment, when the presbyter turns and faces the people and will say, peace. Peace be unto all. You know, uh, it's you know that already has been e- evoked by you know the the words uh, and the exhortation of the deacon and so forth, but that really should characterize that whole assembled, you know, community. And so that even the the very stance that we take towards one another, the, the bowing, the, you know, the, the, the reverential way that we, we venerate one another, you know, we, we, we go and venerate icons, you know, and we often see that as a kind of very religious thing to do, a very spiritual practice or, or whatever, but actually what it is is training us to see all of us, uh, in one another as, you know, icons of God, symbols of God. That's why you know, at the end of this litany, the the last exhortation is, let us commend ourselves and each other and all our life towards Christ, our God. In other words, let us all fully become the icons that we are meant to be. And so that we can live in this harmonious relationship, venerating one another, revering one another as expressions of you know who god is because he's created us to be his image bearer right and so all of the action um all of the, the the kind of movement and the, the the posture and the gestures and so forth are expressions of that harmony of that shalom and uh, you know whether it's the way that deacon talks to the people and it asks them to do certain things or the way you know the deacon will will bow towards the presbyter and you know even uh, you know bowing towards the icons um but and, and also towards the people you know I, I, the, the very best deacons when they're going around sensing you know are not just you know waving the censer at at the people but also you know, bowing, you know, towards the people. And the bow people bow back in return. And so all of that expresses this beautiful shalom or harmony or well-being or prosperity of the communion of people in communion with God.
0: I think the point that you just made is extremely important. For people to hear. And that, that idea that the 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 clergy and the deacon and the presbyter are are not there doing the service and you are watching the service being done. That they are actually calling upon you to be the main participant in the service. And the, the metaphor that comes to mind is when you said master of ceremony, I I'm in a couple of weeks, I will be an MC at a wedding. And I'm not really that important of a person to that family or to that group of people. I just happen to be a friend that they think can not fall apart when they're public speaking, right? Mm. And I would be deluded to think that I am the main reason for
1: the gathering. Absolutely. Or that it's all about you or that you're going to even be memorable, actually. A good MC is forgotten. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: because it's all about the thing you're trying to facilitate, right? You're there to right. smooth a process so that something else happens. That, that in that mm-hmm. case, the bridal couple and their families are celebrating this marvelous moment of, of marriage, uh, the grace that is coming upon them and, and so forth. And, and you're, the better you are at that job, the more it's about that and less it's about you. Right. It's the the St. John, the forerunner role. You know, he must increase, I must decrease. And the better Mm -hmm. he is at his job, the less we actually think about him and the more we think about Christ. And so Mm -hmm. the best deacon will be the one that gets all of the people, exhorts all of the people to really focus on their job, which is to say, Lord, have mercy, Mm -hmm. Lord. To to, to
0: be the ones who are actually praying.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think it's a very helpful uh, way of of looking at it. So, c- can we stretch the wedding metaphor a little bit here? Sure. Uh, obviously, metaphors all come to <laughs> come to their uh, uh, logical conclusions somewhere, but um, all metaphors fall apart. But where would the in this metaphor of a wedding with a deacon being an MC, where would the presbyter what would, what would the presbyter be in this wedding?
1: Well you know this is the, the the interesting thing and there's a wonderful podcast you can find about what priesthood and presbyters are are, are all about but um you know, the the presbyter's role ultimately is the role of the bishop, right? It, the presbyter is there because the bishop couldn't be. The bishop is the one who takes that place. And if, if the bishop is present, uh, the presbyter has almost nothing to do because, you know, you've the bishop and the deacon take all of the liturgical air, as it were, um, you know, in on, on terms of the, the clergy participation, you know, in that. But the, so the presbyter is there in the, to represent the bishop and the bishop's role is to represent God the Father. So when we say, you know about this shalom, about this peace, uh, in which we are gathering. And w- the context, the, the the circumstances, the the scene in which we are living is this shalom of God, the one who manifests that or proclaims it to the assembly. You know, is the presbyter. So the second petition is the peace from above, anothen, right? Um, and it, it's not a peace that comes from here it's it's a piece from the kingdom from the age to come from above from heaven coming to earth it's a piece that could never have been accomplished from the ground up from from bottom up right uh, and, and you can Im- imagine just look at any part of human history to know how poor and 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 lacking peace from below is, right? It's it's about compromise and and manipulation, it's about alliances and, and it leads to war and, and and so forth. So any peace from below is no is of no use and it's ultimately not what we're oriented toward. It's this peace from above. And the one who will I mean that the high moment in a way, in a way uh, for the presbyter replacing as i say the the bishop at vespers is the proclamation of that peace peace be unto all that ultimately is the the only words that 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 really are presbyteral or episcopal you know in vespers almost everything else if you did a reader's vespers you know would be set um you know you can you can say prayers you can say litanies you can read psalms you can read old testament uh readings and so forth but the the part that is is not there when you don't have that presiding, you know, figure of the presbyter replacing the bishop? Is that proclamation of the peace that is the peace from above, right? And that is such an important, um, you know, role to be played. It is the it it, it is the icon of God the Father in, in that assembly. And so, um, I think you're asking, how does this affect, you know, uh, yeah, a what, wedding, what would this you know? be
0: in in the metaphor? Would he be the father of
1: the? <laughs> The bride, so to speak, um, possibly uh, you could you metaphors could, break yeah, down. I understand. Uh, he that. is the grace, you know, the representation <laughs> of of the whole context of that. I mean, and, and biblically, of course, the metaphor of the wedding is an important one. You know, the bridegroom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the uh, of Israel, the bridegroom of the church is is God, um, you know, Himself. And so, you know, Saint Paul says when he's talking about marriage that you know the the husband and the wife are are icons of you know. God and the church, right? Of Christ and the church. And so yeah, it's this personal manifestation of that peace that is from above and I think that ultimately and it, and it, and it's in that sense that we can understand the exclamations that come at the end of the litanies because we said of course the deacon pronounces or proclaims these exhortations to the people to pray and then there's this final kind of exhortation to commend everything towards Christ but then there's that last part which the deacon doesn't say that are actually words that are proper to the, the presbyter or the presiding you know person whether it's a bishop or a presbyter and those words often often are expressions directly of what that peace is. So it may not be peace beyond all at that point, but it's the glory, the honor, the worship, the the grace, the kingdom. All these words are synonyms of the content of the age to come, of, of what comes to us when heaven and earth are joined together.
0: So if I were to maybe summarize the point that we were just making here, and you can sort of fill in, fill in the blanks of the summary, um, is that the petitions that the deacon or the presbyter exclaim are an invitation or an a directive for the faithful to actually do the praying,
1: yeah absolutely, and if they don't that's a really interesting question actually, you know um, you know what's going on? <laughs> what is actually happening if You know, you have an indifferent populace, (laughs) as it were. You have people who are, you know, thinking that, you know, as a lot of people have been led to believe, that they are just simply, you know, passive spectators at something, you know. Have you noticed that, you know, nothing is going on if, if, you know, the, the presbyter is ready to, to proclaim this peace, this shalom to, to all the deacon is inviting everyone in the context of that to, to do something very specific, which is to turn towards God and, you know, experience that, that, that shalom in all the dimensions of life. If that last part isn't done, what has actually happened? Right. Um. You know, to use another metaphor, if a tree falls in the in the mm-hmm. woods, nobody's there to hear it, you know, has it yeah. made a noise, right? Um, you know, it's a good question, actually. You know, it's a, the, the most important thing is that last part, right? It's all set up for that to happen, right? For the Kyrie eleison, for the to you, O Lord, for the Amen. Um, you know, those are the things which are the prayer, the content of the prayer, interestingly, not all of the words in the books that the deacon and the presbyter are pronouncing, the prayer is coming from the people. Fascinating and and really important, you know, so it really, you know, pushes the envelope here. And, and, and what the people who have gathered need to be doing is to be prepared and spiritually open and, you know, dynamic and energetic and, you know, active in every meaningful sense to to actually do that work they are the the laos to the the people of god the the royal priesthood that are called into action by the servant really you know we talked about master of ceremonies or butler or whatever i mean ultimately these are servant roles to to buttress the real work that's happening which is what the people are meant to do
0: podcast you're listening to reflects only the public aspect of our overall project for those interested we actively post new episodes on our private podcast this private space gives us the freedom to debate discuss and disagree about open and sometimes controversial theological questions to get access to these episodes and to join our online community you can become a patron of the show we can only continue this work through the generous financial support of our listeners To become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom and select which tier of support you wish. Again, that's patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. And now, back to the show. Do you know of any differences in the expression and the liturgical inaction of the great litany between various different orthodox jurisdictions and traditions. So not necessarily, not, not just the music, like the, the way that the Lord have mercies are sung in, by the people um, varies obviously based on the musical tradition, but do you know of any differences in how the litany is actually liturgically enacted? because in my experience it seems to be fairly the same everywhere there's there's not much variation in in what is actually going on during the great litany
1: yeah i mean the, the at this point the liturgical actions which tend to have the most variety around them they're relatively restrained you know as we've had the movement of the sensing of the whole church that we talked about before and now the deacon has come out before the holy doors uh you know in all orthodox traditions the deacon you know kind of is planted uh in fact the way the service books talk about it in his usual place right (laughs) you know so there's like this spot that is kind of worn out on the floor of the of the church where the deacon usually stands his usual spot maybe a little bit of an indent um mm-hmm. at that spot so that that's pretty typical right and uh the, the the variation around that kind of movement um you know is relatively uh you know limited i mean it, it, some deacons will you know make uh you know greater gestures and when you know when they're making the petitions they're meant to be holding their Orarian or stole aloft, um, you know. Typically, making the sign of the cross at the end of every petition, um, there can be, uh, you know, where we're praying for specific things. Like, for example, a bishop. You know, there, there will be at times a you know a directionality to that. You know, pointing the the stole orarian towards uh, a bishop who's present and and that sort of thing. The Bowing towards the icon of the Theotokos, the mother of God and of Christ, and that last petition, which is about commending ourselves, you know, remembering all the saints, including, you know, first among them, the, the mother of God. Bowing towards that icon and then towards the icon of, of Christ. That's pretty um, typical. There's some variation, obviously, as you said, in, in the way that the, the responses are sung or, or done, I mean, where there's a single cantor doing it on behalf of everyone. It's a little bit more work for the people to, to join in with that, obviously, as opposed to, say, congregational singing, you know, gust, uh, singing with gusto, um, all of those, um, you know, petitions. There's a tradition in uh, particularly Greek Orthodox uh, churches. It's not written in the service books as such, but it's a received oral tradition where during that last uh, petition of of commendation, where we remember the Most Holy Theotokos and all of the saints, uh, and then commend ourselves and each other and all our life unto Christ our God. During that first part, over top of the deacon saying that petition or uh, chanting that petition— the the cantor or people will say, uh, "Most Holy Theotokos, uh, save us." So that's another kind of engaged uh, way of of kind of linking to what's being said. Um, and again, it, it it is directed towards you know in this case the the Mother of God. So it's a it's a real prayer as opposed to just an exhortation and so forth. But there there's relatively little you know uh, variation uh, in terms of the way this is actually served within different um, orthodox traditions.
0: So there's a couple of aspects I want to talk about in, in this episode. One is the deacon or the presbyter, after every single exhortation to prayer, after every peti- petition, crosses himself, makes the sign of the cross. And I've noticed that uh, some people do, some people don't. Um, there's also the bowing, like you mentioned, to the icon of the Virgin Mary, and then the bowing to the icon of Christ with with a, a signing of the cross for each bow. And that's what the deacon does. That's what the, the, the presbyter does. And I've noticed some people do that and some people don't. So I think we're kind of touching up against this kind of liturgical um, phenomenon of people copying what people are doing at the front, mm-hmm. so to speak, or this a similar concept to when the deacon or the presbyter senses around the temple, some people will turn and follow with their eyes all, all in a full circle. I'm wondering if you could talk a bit more about that sort of phenomenon.
1: Yeah, in a way, you're right. I think there's this, an element of, of imitation um, that that's going on. But ultimately, they're both pointing at the same thing, which is that when we pray and we're brought into this, you know, uh, context that, you know, uh, where we're being exhorted to, to to live a certain way and to be in relationship with God and creation in a certain way, all of that is an embodied phenomenon, right? Um, you know, there is a huge mistake made when we limit our Christian and spiritual life to, you know, simply our Something like our soul, or to 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 even our minds, or or whatever. The the content of the liturgy is not just you know intellectual or spiritual; it is physical. It's embodied. Um, it's one of the the disappointing results of bringing in seating into you know churches because it limits that experience. There's there's every reason that you know particularly in a great litany like this uh, the litany of peace which is meant to be a gathering you know kind of experience that that there could still be movement and that movement you know can be you know moving from 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 place to to place you know as you mentioned with the sensing people could be moving uh, you know around that it can be moving before certain icons uh it could be you know making those bows making the sign of the cross there is no you know Absolutely set way of doing it. And I think one of the mar- marvelous things about Orthodox liturgy is that nobody's kind of looking around and saying oh well that's an odd way of bowing or "or making the sign of the cross or that's an odd time to be you know making the sign of the cross or that person made it twice out of all the petitions but not each time you know nobody's thinking or doing anything like that Um, there is an element of as the spirit leads us you know to do uh, this happens you know very particularly later when we have the, the the petitions of something like the the trouble or fervent litany where we name people more specifically we pray very particularly for certain concerns as people connect themselves to those prayers they will often make the sign of the cross or bow more deeply or whatever but there's no reason that on every petition as you say kiri ereson lord have mercy that you can't be physically you know in, enacting that with with a bow with the sign of the cross uh but not in a performa way not in a you know okay You know, just automatic. Um, there's a difference between embodied and, you know, kind of automaton like or automatic. Um, it, it should be, it's the, our body and soul coming together, you know, expressing our cooperation with what has been exhorted of us, ultimately our cooperation with the will of God to live towards this, right? If we're gonna commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God, That involves our bodies it involves my body and your body and and that commendation is is a a holistic one right and so absolutely i mean it can be an imitation of of what the the deacon is doing but only because the deacon is doing the thing that is most natural which is to involve his body in this worship in these these prayers these petitions
0: i find that when there are instances that you cross yourself in church, so say at the invocation of the Trinity, right? Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it's uh, traditional to make the sign of the cross over yourself. I find that sometimes those moments where I actually have to physically enact the prayer, it actually brings me mentally back mm-hmm. that I was daydreaming or that I was, I was off thinking about lunch or, or whatever it might be. And then I, I just automatically hear, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then I and then I cross myself, and I go, "Oh, okay, yes, here, th- this is where I am, mm-hmm. right?"
1: Well, um, yeah, our bodies are always doing something, right? Uh, even when we're standing there. Our bodies are doing something. It may be that okay, the heels of our feet are starting to feel sore because we're standing on a concrete floor and it's been an hour or whatever, and we're starting to feel that. Or what's happening with my toes as I curl them? Or my knees are a little bit, you know, uh, out of joint, and and I'm, I'm feeling that or whatever. The lower back pain or whatever is happening. There's there's or our our bodies are leading us, you know, into all manner uh, of things, and and it's actually the way the that the spiritual. Fathers talk about you know the the way prayer and the spiritual life works that that our our spirit within us and 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 the, the, the kind of purest part or meant to be purest part of our spirit which is our noetic faculty or, or noose, gets kind of. Sp- scattered, right? It latches on to all kinds of things in the world around us, but through our bodies, right? Through the different parts of our body. And so what the whole spiritual life is meant to be about is reintegration, right? Descending with our noose, or mind into our hearts and reintegrating our bodies, reorienting every part of us towards God, right? Um, and that that that's an embodied experience is not merely a spiritual or intellectual exercise. It, it, it really does involve, you know, all of those actions. And so absolutely, when we call our, our, bodies back to attention you know that way and you know notice that so much in the liturgy does that you know when we've already gone through the the the, the, the house of god to the church with the, the the incense that was calling our noses <laughs> to attention you know we fill mm-hmm. the the space with icons so that our eyes are brought to attention so much of the music which is you know as as beautiful as we can make it is to call our ears, um, you know, to attention. And there's the tactile part of it too, you know, with the church furnishings and, and so forth. And so, you know, it, in the exhortations that we get throughout the service of standing upright, you know, or paying attention of all of these things, they're meant to reintegrate us and reorient us towards the goal, which is this shalom and so forth. So yeah, even that simple act, even if we haven't moved and if there is seating in there and we're locked in by pews or whatever, so we can't make great strides in any direction and we can't really make a full prostration or or whatever, not without knocking our our heads um, on the the pew in front of us us but we can nevertheless make bows we can make the sign of the cross and and absolutely our body suddenly is kind of doing something that is in a line with what we're hearing with what we're meant to be being exhorted to do and so that's really important that we keep uh, doing that throughout the service and you know and again it can be you know and those kind of moments that you referred to you know the invocation of the trinity or it could be things that, that we connect our ourselves you know more deeply to or it could just be this regular habit that we make every time we say kiri we make the sign of the cross and the more we do with our bodies in line with what we're meant to be doing the more that integration has taken place
0: thanks so much for listening to another episode of enacting the kingdom for bonus episodes and content or if you'd simply like to see this show continue consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom see you next time